Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Let's do a bit of a review and then continue in Ephesians 5. And I just think it's important to review to kind of catch up with what uh, we were doing. Remember last week we kind of hit the term identity and we said that the things that identify us the most are our, is our, what I, what, how, we get our identity from what place more than any other place? Thank you. You get a gold star. It's family. That's what the statistics say. Now, what we would like to say is that it's God. And it should be God. But there are things in our life that define our identity other than God. And even though we have a title or a familial connection with him, sometimes our identity is outside of that familial connection. We become our work, uh, we become our friends, we become a cultural narrative, we become our identity, uh, I mean our ethnic identity, but somehow our identity in Christ is a tag-along thing versus a thing that dominates who we are. I would like when I pass away one day, Pastor Philip, and you're doing my funeral at 150 years old. <laughs> You'll be 160, brother. <laughs> I would like my life to have been lived in such a way where the things said of me only are attributed to Christ-like behavior, that my identity was in him. I would like when the people who know me closest and who are in my private life that when they find my private notes and they go into all my passwords and they they have full access to uh, an investigation of what my life really was, I, I pray that what they unearth is light in life. I pray that it's not uh, some notes like I, I had a, I, I, I have from my pack, you know how you, when you get in a relationship, you, you burn all your old love letters you know, your, your photos of people, yeah, all the women saying, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Holly, I don't know how this happened. In my old college trunk, I don't know how these, a few photos got left from somebody else. I don't know how that happened, because I believe in burning. I got my one woman man, but I tell you, when that, when that is revealed, something about your identity comes, what? now why do you have that? You get questioned. I wanna have such a light, life in the light, that anything out of place is exposed all early on, so I don't stand before God one day and say, well, you know, what had happened was, I don't wanna do that. The reason I'm doing this little review is to help you understand that there's some things that have gotten into your DNA that define you 
that are on rinse and repeat in your life that have nothing to do with Christ. Nothing. There I say, it's so painful to preach this message knowing that I have a few things still. Because when you go through it, I, I don't know about you. I, I go through my devotions. I go through my time. I think I got everything in that he shows me. There's things that mark me. There's, there's things that just not consistent with the king in his life. So that was a review. Then remember, we went to that first verse, Pastor Philip. And what all I'm going to have you do so we don't spend too much time on review, but it's Bible study. So we can do a little bit of, you know, different things. Just read verse 1 and 2, and then I'm going to have you read the other verses, and we'll get into the verses 7 through 14 that we're going to hit tonight. Ephesians 5, 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Becoming more like him pleases him. And when you're becoming more like him, you look like him, you talk like him, you act like him, you love like him, you sacrifice like him. And that's the proof that you're with him. He wants you to imitate him. And imitating him is loving all of those other people that are unlovable. There's unlovable people in our life. So easy for me to think about a caricature of others and not think about the un unlovable in my life that I refuse to give love to. Love that is patient, love that is kind, love that does not keep a record of wrongs done to it. Oh Lord, help me, Jesus. I've got an invisible diary of wrongs done to me. I remember my, I had to, uh, Pastor Philip, I had to repeat a grade. And the fifth grade, I passed the fifth grade. Then my mother wanted me to go to private school. And the private school recommended that I do the grade over. I said, Mama, I'm too big to do a grade over. I said, don't do that to me. But she made me repeat that grade. Now, I don't know about you. It'd be one thing if I failed the grade and somebody said, you need to repeat it. It's another thing for somebody to arbitrarily say, I need to repeat the grade. Do you know how long I stayed mad at my mama? You're still mad. <laughs> Ooh. I stayed mad at her so long. I remember giving her a Mother's Day gift. I said, it was about three years in. I said, Mama, I'm going to give you a Mother's Day gift. I had been boycotting it for a while. It took me some years to get over it. But I figured out that if I worked hard enough when I got to college, I could catch up that year you took from me. See, there are pains. You may perceive wrong or they might be wrong. You can go through and you can hostage somebody for a long time. And they can never get out the hole. They can never get out the hole. Now, when I do something to people, I want them to forgive me the next day because can't you see my sincerity? I love the Lord. I love you. I said I was sorry. Why can't you let me off the hook? Imitating Christ, you will let somebody off the hook. Now, so I want to be like him, but you see the theme of Ephesians 5 is you got to have more than a want to. 
Ephesians 5 is driving you to the point where you live different. All right, just so if you, so now the next section of verses, just as in a review, if you, if Christ gives you the way you should live in imitating him and loving like him, then there's always a converse lifestyle that you can embrace. And here's what it kind of sounds like and looks like in verse three through six. Ready, read. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as as proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So basically, when we live like him, it pleases him. But becoming more like them invokes his anger. There is an identity that is polar opposite than what Christ's love says. It's a lustful identity. All that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. We talked about that word, sexual immorality, or pornea, uh, 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 pornographic, uh, searching for basically something that you can control, something that you can superimpose. Here, here's a definition for lust for those of you who are taking notes, and I hope all of you are taking notes. Lust, it's one way you can define it, is to superimpose your will above the will of God. To superimpose your will above the will of God. And when you do that, instead of having authentic love, you have sexual immorality. Instead of having pure thoughts and lifestyle, you have impurity, which means a mixture. Instead of being content with the things you have, you become covetous. Instead of uh, uh, speaking only which is good to the edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer, you have filthy talk and crude joking, which is out of place. Understand this, if you don't embrace God's identity and you embrace the identity of worldly living, devilish thinking, then you will inherit the wrath of God. The sons of disobedience means people who refuse to do different. All right. So all of that was the review. All of that was the review. Now getting into today's lesson. Pastor Philip, read verses 7 and 8 and then go back and read just 7. Therefore do not be partakers with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. Verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. Don't be a partner with everybody. This word partner is like co-conspirator, co-contributor, engaged together in the same activity. It's, It's not just approving of an activity, it's joining somebody in the activity, whether in thought or in behavior. Don't partner with people who are children of wrath, partner as imitators of God. There's a lot of things that 
we end up partnered with. And the Bible said, don't strengthen the hand of the evildoer. Uh, I, I, this is, this is going to get into your personal space, so let me just help you uh, not view me as legalistic and coming to uh, disturb your freedoms in Christ. You, you do what you want to do in Christ. But you should allow God the Holy Spirit to lead you into the truth of whether or not you're more partnered with him or partnered with the world. Are you more partnered with him or your fleshly ideology? Are you more partnered with him or have you partnered with him and them at the same time you got it all mixed in together? I can't tell you what not to touch, what not to taste, what not to do because I don't know your leanings and your proclivities. Anything that's black and white in the scripture don't do it. But I'm just telling you for those things in life that are a weight to you, or perhaps a sin to you. You've got to ask yourself, where are you a co-conspirator? Where are you in part, more partnership with the ideology of the world? Here's what it looked like, I'll, I'll say it like this. You think the problems of this world are political versus a simple, a sin problem. When you think that the problems aren't the problems that God has, you begin to partner with the people who think like you're thinking, and then you begin to engage the solutions that they have, and you become locked into that mentality, and after time, you don't even notice how far away from God you are. Amen. Don't partner. And then, what, what, what does he say, Pastor Philip? Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light of the world walk as children of light sometimes i i get irritated at myself because when i'm preaching and i'm reflecting about the times that i'm in darkness there is some type of joy almost in going back to my dark days that i've been delivered from it's almost as if i talk about them as if well you know if i could i would have <laughs> i'd have, I'd have finished that sin out <laughs> well you know but god there, we're all not that far away from our dark day. I'm going to say it again. I'm sorry. I'm bothering you. We're not, you're not that far from your dark day. I get triggered into my darkness, and you've got to know what your trigger is. You've got to know. You know, certain foods trigger me to go into my, you know, obesity mode. Right now, I'm, 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 I'm trending down. I'm able to say no. But this is the season. I got to watch everything and everybody. Last, last year, I, I asked the members to help me. Don't give me cakes and pies and stuff like that. Okay, now I'm not gonna ask you to do that this time. But I'm just saying, I'm only gonna taste it. I'm not gonna eat the whole, so if you give me a whole pie, it's too much. Just give me a piece of pie, a slice of pie. But you've got to know what it is Go to 1 Corinthians, Pastor Philip, 6, 9 through 11. First Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. 
And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I'm so glad for the scripture, but God, there was a moment in my past, and I think I don't want to highlight so many of the sins of my past that I forget to highlight the intersection between my past and God. When God stepped into my past, he, he had something to say about it. He's cut sin off in my life. He cut iniquity off in my life. He purged me. He washed me. He sanctified me. He renewed me. He built me back up. He gave, made me a new creation in Christ. You know, he washed me in the blood. You know what I'm saying? He he cast my sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't remember anymore. He doesn't deal with me according to my sin. I'm not my sin. I'm now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have a new identity. I don't have to partner with anything else. I don't have to walk in darkness because now I'm the light. Yes. And, and, and he kind of concludes, walk his children of light, therefore. Walk his children of light. Because if the light of God is in you, then he's already written his law in your heart. He's already uh, led you and guided you into all truth. In him is light and life. Uh, he's, he wraps himself in light. He's inapproachable light. You know, saying he's the, the light of the world. He, he, the Bible says he's the father of lights. Uh, the, the Bible says that he gives light to every man and life to every man. I mean, this is, it's almost as if when I was reading this and studying this, there's no excuse not to be in the light. So why am I partnered with darkness? Because if your music is dark and you keep on ingesting it long enough, you can try to snuff out the light or suppress the light. Uh, or here's how Romans says it. We suppress the truth with more unrighteousness. His word is truth. And so what, what happens is the more you have to keep doing bad to cover up all the good. Walk in the light. The Bible says if we walk in the light in 1 John 1, 7. Did you read that, Pastor Philip? Because I don't, I don't want to skip a scripture. First John 1. Seven, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Walk in the light. Isn't that one of the most scary things to do? Let's just pause here, be honest. First thing I encourage you to do if you're going to walk in the light is go home and look in the mirror and pray with your eyes open and tell yourself the truth about you, not just every negative thing, Tell you the good things, the bad things. Look at it all. Walk in the light. Then be cognizant and aware of God by saying, God, shine more light on me. Show me who you are. You'll be surprised. He's not going to call you sin. You know what he's going to do? He's going to remind you of stuff like, you know, you're washed. See, you're going to see the impurity. He's going to show you, you know, I'm pure. You're going to see the unrighteousness and he's going to say, you know, I gave you my righteousness. You're going to see the lack of peace in your life and turmoil. And he's going to say, I'm your peace. So, so when you're able to walk in the light, you're able to face yourself. 
Walk in the light. Look, go ahead and look at yourself. Then invite God to do an inventory on you. But he's not going to run you down. It's not his way. Every time I'm, you know, every time I'm anticipating God running me down, when I think about it, it's me running me down. I'm telling you, I've, I've watched this pattern for years now. When I get real down, down on myself, it's me running me down. Because you know what God uses to rescue us? Good news about what he's done. You, if you don't think about the good news of what he's done, you will never be able to walk in the light fully. Because the gospel is the light switch. I'm going to say it again. The, what's the scripture uh, about how the devil's trying to blind our minds lest we see? 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. How does it go? The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers that they might not see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. Turn to it in the scriptures just so they can, they can write it in the notes since it came to us. 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You're just such a good reader, Pastor Philip. What in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. So he's got the enemy is always trying to keep unbelievers in the dark and try to get the believers to turn their light off. But what always turns the light on is the gospel. What always turns the light on is the gospel. How many times have I failed to just interact with the good news of what Christ has done for me? And every time I do this, I, I get lifted up, like taking a, 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 a B12 shot or like taking a shot of adrenaline or, or, or getting some vitamin D, uh, feeling bright, feeling strong. The gospel does all of that for you. Because it doesn't tell you where you failed, it tells you where he won. Doesn't tell you where you failed, it tells you where he won. Let me, let me rephrase that. Because you do know that you're fallen, but it's not, the emphasis is not your fallen condition, it's, the, it's what he did to solve it. I just missed my place my scripture. Hold on. So the first point we had was be the light. The first thing that God ever said is let there be light or because remember he wraps himself in light. He's in approach of light. Maybe say it this way. Light in me be and what if we acted like him because remember this is about imitating him be the light let your light so shine upon uh, in front of men that they can see your good works and glorify the father which is in heaven verse 9 for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed... No, 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 no. Just stop at 12. 
Verse 9 again. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. A lot of us boast titles and identities in Christ that we don't always live up to. One of the things that is the proof of your authenticity is how you live out or the fruit that you bear. Let's just start with the most extreme person who can mimic Christianity but is not a Christian. Can raise their hands like Christians, can do devotions like Christians, can cast out devils like Christians. But they are not. They are not surrendered to Christ. And then you have those who are in the light but live like babes of the light. You just stay in a baby in Christ so you never have a mature fruit producing lifestyle but I'm not saying you're out of the kingdom. I'm just saying that it's barely anything to pick off your tree. It's just always juvenile. It's always immature. It's always never developed and underdeveloped. But the fruit of the light is found in what is good. Too often we call right, wrong, and wrong, right. Too often we call evil, good. We have blended this so often that we don't know what is good. I'm looking at arguments with sexual identity, which is a real challenge in this generation. It's not a false one. Because if we're products of our family or products of our environment, products of our upbringing, and somebody is constantly suggesting that you can embrace a narrative that is different than what God naturally put on the inside of you, then you're going to be confused about what is good. So it's a real thing. But how do we do it? By being children of the light, by bearing fruit of the light, and always shining what is right and good and true. Philip, go to Matthew 7. Read 15 through 19. Let's just see what it should look like in our life. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So not everybody who's proselytizing something and espousing that it is good is actually good or giving you a good message or a right message. Not everything that's on your feed in social media should you take as gospel. That, it, it's kind of basic sense, but I think we get defined by that feed quite often. That feed, we start talking about it. We start sharing it before we even investigate it, even if it's worthy of the image of Christ. Keep reading. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So here we go again. Just to say I'm in Christ and the fruit of my life is always argumentative. The fruit of my life is cantankerous. The fruit of my life is lustful. The fruit of my life is uh, violent. 
you're not displaying that you're an imitator of Christ. And it could be because you're out. It could be because you're, you're severely immature and dwarfed. But when you're bearing good fruit for God, it should precede you. People should come to you and be able to get some of the peace that's in your life, the joy that's in your life, the love that's in your life, the clarity that's in your life. Too often we think about our lives as believers, as individuals, but remember the first thing about imitating Christ is laying down your life for other people. Somebody should be able to get or gain something from your life that is good, according to this scripture, that is right, according to this scripture, that is true. You can know the truth. God, the Holy Spirit, said that my job is to lead you and guide you into all the truth. You can know the truth and the truth can make you free. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Man, Jesus put a lot in the relationship we have with him that will keep you sane. I'm, I'm, again, the more I read the word, the more disappointed I am at times that I'm not embracing all of the tenets and all of the promises that are available to me to live a good, godly, sober life. Why am I having anxiety when he's the way, truth, and the life? Why am I wrapped in fear when he's the way, truth, and the life? Why am I always full of confusion when he's the way, the truth, and the life? Why am I taking so much thought for tomorrow when he said, don't think about tomorrow, tomorrow has enough troubles on, 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 on its own. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's come that I might have life and have it to the full. John 8, 32. And you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. John 17, 17. says, sanctify me through the truth. The word is truth. Why am I bringing it up this? Because he says in the scripture that we were looking at, the fruit of life is found in, in that which is good, right, and true. And then verse 10 says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. To me, the way you discern that is by constantly evaluating your fruit and the fruit of other people's lives so you'll know what direction to go. A lot of times people have bad fruit, but we receive their message is good. Uh, check it. A lot of times we're saying things, but it's coming out of a, such a broken vessel, it's being misinterpreted. So discern what the will of God is, and you can look at your fruit, see if it's bruised, see if it's rotten, see if it's really authentic, see if it's dwarfed, see if it's really healthy and ripe and, and yielding its true uh, nutrients, its true, true juice in your life. See if it's actually beneficial uh, to someone else. Just take a little inventory even now. What is the fruit of your life? I'm not talking about the one you personify, perhaps. I'm talking about the real one. Because see, when I'm, when I'm at home and I get dressed, I, sometimes I start with a lie. Because I put on a shirt, I suck in my stomach. No, it's true. I suck in my stomach. I said, oh, this would be good. But I know I'm not going to remember to keep my stomach sucked in all day. And because I started with that lie, at some point, I just look in the mirror and say, man, when did I gain weight? I, well, I, I just didn't want to look at it. It would have told me exactly where I was. 
You and I have to take time to discern what is the fruit of my life saying. And is it something that really pleases the Lord? Take no part. Remember, we dealt with the partnership earlier. And he now comes back to that theme. Don't take part in unfruitful works of darkness. Oh, this is challenging. Because there's times when I learned about me that I, I disconnect from my identity in Christ and my faith. And I'm, I'm just go to something that, that I studied, uh, let's say a sports team. And when I'm celebrating my sports team, no matter how off they get, I don't mind. It's like if you, I saw the Warriors fans, and I don't know if you saw that fight in the Warriors game with Draymond and Gobert. It was terrible, but the Warriors fans celebrated it. Yeah, he choked that man out. That was bad. Now everybody else can see clearly. They can discern. I don't want to participate in this. The reason I brought up that little cute little example is because I've, I've learned that when I let the little things in, the big things aren't far behind. I'm going to say that again just because it's, I'm just talking about me. When I let the little things in, the big things aren't far behind. I'm never as a believer going to do like the big stuff. But when I let the little stuff in, I'm lying to myself that the big stuff won't get in too. When are those unfruitful works likely to partner with me? At nighttime? When I'm alone? When I'm in the dark? When are those thoughts, those demons? When is my flesh going to be stimulated? You got to know that time and prepare for it. So don't partner with it. So, so if you're not going to partner with it, have a plan to partner with God during those times when you're more likely to sin. I'm going to say it again. You need to have a plan to partner with God during those times when you're more likely to sin in the dark, at night, alone. But instead, expose them. I like this because when we are focused more on being the light, you avoid the darkness. And because you show up as the light, you expose what's off when you walk in the room. If you show up dimming your light to see whether or not you want to partner with some of the darkness, remember the word impurity is a mixture. I'm going to mix in some darkness with the light. And this is where it gets off. Be a city that sits on the hill that cannot be hidden. Be a, a, a light on the lampstand. Let, let your light shine bright. Now, you know what parents do, and let me do it, okay? you know parents have a tendency to overly celebrate their kids know their kids bad sometimes but they tell the good stories so I want you to know my kids are not angels but to tell their bad stuff without their permission would be bad <laughs> so <laughs> just tell the good stuff but uh, Jason on his football team was told something by his coach two days ago that I thought was very poignant. He said, Jason, what's your goal? He said, I want to be a better leader. 
He said, well, you're already a leader. He said, Coach, what do you mean? Because I can see where I can improve. He said, well, a five-star recruit just committed here, and I asked him why. He said, well, I was with Jason and Jackson this weekend. My son, other son was with me. He said, and everybody was going to the club. Everybody on the team. I, I was in the car going to go. And Jason said, well, we don't, we, I don't, I don't, we don't do that. He, so he took me to the bowling alley. And it was just four or five of us. And I left there saying, I've got to be at this school. Because there is my chance to be a Christian that's a football player and not a football player that's a Christian. This is what the man said. And though he probably will mess that up because people we all sin, we all fall short. That was a good illustration of letting your light expose the darkness for what it is. You have that opportunity in your workplace every week. On your school campus every week. In your marital relationship every week. This one going to get you. In the relationships with your adversaries. <laughs> every week you can show them the light. Oh God help us. That was harder isn't it? I'm talking about your adversary. The, one, the person who appears not to want you to succeed. Notice I said appears. You know what helps you to discern that? Shine in the light. For it is a shame to speak of the things that they do in secret. There's an obsession in this culture to speak, to speak what is uh, dark and to be so comfortable doing so. I think I'm about out of time. I got more. But this, the thing about Wednesday night, if Pastor Philip is not preaching, you just come back and pick it back up. So Pastor Philip, just don't bump me again like you normally do. <laughs> if, if you want to encapsulize that last point, it's very simple. Make the right choice. If you want to put everything I said together in a sentence, be the light and make the right choice. If you want to connect last week with this week, Say, I am a child of God. I am an imitator of Christ. I am loving like he loves. I am avoiding sexual immorality by being the light and making the right choice. It's always the greatest challenge when you've been reminded to do it. Remember, I told you, go home. Look in the mirror. Tell yourself the truth. And let God tell you the truth. Be the light. Walk in the light. Live in the light. Make the right choice. Not some of the days. Not part of the day. But every day, every hour. And lastly, not in your own strength. My own strength fails me quite often. But leaning on him and being reminded of his gospel doesn't. Let's stand to our feet.